Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah audio podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. To find out more information about Life Church, please check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website or by texting the word LCGIVE to 95577. All right. Relationships can be hard. I, I spoke a couple weeks ago about the purpose in relationships, and we dealt with the subject of, you know, what's the point? Have you ever wondered that before? How many introverts do we have in the audience? You know, an introvert is somebody's shy. You don't really care to be around people. Okay, a few of you because you put your hands down really fast. That was awesome. I couldn't have planned that better. Whether you're an introvert or, uh, or an extrovert or somebody that's really outgoing or somebody that's really shy, we all need relationships. Why? Because we were designed that way by our Father. He put the design of relationship in all of us. And we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. This morning, I want to talk to you about the good, the bad, and the ugly in relationships. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You might remember the cult classic movie called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Anybody seen it before, right? Um, it's a classic, and um, when I was researching this, this, this message, and we kind of came up with this, this title, I thought, man, I don't think I've ever seen that movie all the way through. So I had to kind of get in and, and research it a little bit, and um, it, it's one of Clint Eastwood's defining roles, if you will. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of the iconic cowboy of his time. You know, before him was, of course, the Duke. You know, you, you like the Duke, right? He's a Duke fan. And then after him was Clint Eastwood, who's still around. He's still with us, still doing movies, oddly enough. And, and he kind of put on this iconic performance in that movie. It's funny because the movie actually doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. It's mostly just music and camera shots going in and out of people's faces, you know. And it's got that classic song, the wah wah you know, they're, every time they're, yeah, they're getting ready to, to, to do battle with their guns. If you've never seen the movie, it's about a hunting, uh, uh, it's about a bounty hunter scam who joins two men in an uneasy alliance against a third in a race to find a fortune. Find the gold. So you've got three characters known as the good, the bad, and the ugly. Anybody want to guess who Clint Eastwood was? The good. He was the good, and then the bad was? Angel Face, yes. With, no, what? Yeah, Angel Face. And then the ugly was? Eli Waller was the actor, correct? And was it L... I want to say El Chapo, but that's not right. <laughs> Either way, he was the ugly, okay? <laughs> so this movie brings together three individuals who have a common goal, yet have their own set of personal dysfunction, selfishness, and they have to work together in order to obtain the gold. And then once they get to the gold... What happens? Their relationship falls apart, and they have it out. They duke it out. They, 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 they meet each other at high noon, so to speak. 
Last uh, a couple weeks ago, I shared a scripture verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and it simply says, Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ, who loved, who loved us and gave himself for us. So when it comes to relationships, I kind of set the groundwork. We are to imitate who? God, in the way that he loves his children. That's the people sitting next to you. Would you turn to somebody and say, I love you. I love you. And then Paul goes on to write to say, live your life with love. Do that. That that is the cornerstone. That is what it's all about of uh, of this whole life of faith. It's about love. I want to talk to you this morning about what healthy relationships look like, the good, the bad and the ugly. I think we can go right to first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, which, you know, as a youth pastor, this is something that I said to teenagers all the time, because this is so important. This is this, this will set you up in life. If you can abide yourself by this one simple verse, and it says, do not be deceived. Everybody say that word deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Another version says, bad company destroys good character. Character, morals, that's who you are. That's the fiber of your being. When you allow certain people into your lives that are bad and ugly, so to speak, on the inside, they can corrupt who you are from the inside out. And I would often say this to teenagers, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. I can say that to teens, but I can also say it to adults today. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. I believe this morning that we've got to evaluate our approach to certain types of relationship. Does that mean that we're never going to deal with people that are, are, you know, considered part of the ugly relationship or the bad relationship? No, it doesn't mean that. But we as, as believers have the word of God and can navigate who we are in Christ. And therefore, we can navigate relationships in all aspects of life. Good ones, bad ones, hard ones, all the above. I think we all experience these type of relationships either by someone else or we are those type of people. And so I want us to take a real good hard look at ourselves and the people we surround ourselves with. Can we do that this morning? Okay. I'll try to be quick. How many of you believe I can be quick? Five. Five of you. Five of you believe. The rest of you don't. I want to tackle the, the first one in, in my title this morning, the ugly relationship. The ugly, often referred to as toxic relationships. Have you ever heard that term before? Toxic relationships? I think Britney Spears sang a song about it. Know that you're toxic. You know, and danced around. I'm not going to do that this morning, but it's out there. A toxic relationship is characterized by insecurity, self-centeredness, dominance, and control. 
The thing I want you to understand is that we're all capable of both, both receiving toxic, toxic, toxic uh, type of relationships and also giving toxic type relationships. And you might say, well, what are, what are you talking about? Can, can I break it down for you a little bit? Many years ago, I was a young man, believe it or not. In my teen years, I can remember uh, having a relationship with a girl, and she was a sweet girl, and there were certain things that she would do that would cause me, I guess, jealousy. Anybody ever been there before? And I turned into a guy that I didn't even recognize when I was dating this girl. Dated her for a long time. I did not marry this girl. Praise God. But it was a toxic relationship. Because for whatever reason, there was a part of me that could never fully trust her as my girlfriend. And there was a part of her that, I guess, resented the way that I approached the relationship. There was, there was times when I myself was a toxic person to this individual. And in our lives, we're capable of both. We're capable of being toxic and receiving toxic. In fact, I've seen people get in relationships that are so toxic, they don't know anything else. It's like this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's like this merry-go-round that neither person can get off, whether it's friendships, whether it's in, it's in dating, whether it's in marriage. And so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, I want to break down Romans chapter 16 because I think Paul gives the Romans just kind of this uh, narrative that we need to have as goals uh, as believers because whether we like it or not, we're people and we're flawed, right? And I love this, and I, I threw it in starting in verse 16, and your, your notes, it probably starts at 17, but it says this, greet one another with a holy kiss. I had to throw that in there because of Valentine's Day, you know, holy kiss. But what, what he goes on to say after that, he says, all the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, flattery they deceive the minds of naive people. Paul is basically saying, look, there's going to be people in your life that are toxic. They're going to be smooth talkers. They're going to come in. They're going to have, they're going to say all the right things, but it's going to be contrary to what you know and believe and are founded in through faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to be contrary to that. Why do I bring that up? Because I've seen people time and time again compromise their faith and their belief simply for a relationship. Simply for a friendship. And Paul warns against this. Toxic relationships, they cause, first of all, they cause division. Everybody say division. They, who, who do they cause division with? Well, first and foremost, they'll cause division with your relationship with God and other people that you have healthy relationships with. Does that sink in a little bit? Other people you have healthy relationships with. The other thing that toxic relationships cause is jealousy. Everybody say jealousy. 
Jealousy is a sin. It's not from God. The other thing is a lack of trust. A lack of trust. Toxic relationships can cause pain, both physical and emotional. They can cause verbal or mental abuse. And they can lead to physical abuse. Toxic relationships can affect healthy relationships in a negative way. And toxic relationships are always a result of sin. Sin. Not owning up to the sin, not confessing the sin. You know, I often wonder with the story of Cain and Abel, of course you know the story in Genesis where Cain kills his brother Abel because he's jealous. I wonder if Adam and Eve, their parents, ever looked at Cain and said, oh, you know what, Cain is very capable of killing somebody. I, I would probably say that they had no idea. I would say that Abel had no idea that his brother was capable of killing him or that Cain himself even probably knew he had it in him. There's a, 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 new, there's a few shows on Netflix, and, and, and I'm sorry, I binge watch sometimes. You know, there, there's, there was a show like, um, and, and you, you might look at me and judge me, and that's okay, but The Makings of a Murderer, and, uh, you know, I watched it because I'm just curious and fascinated of uh, how somebody gets there. Uh, and then there's a, there's a new show, I haven't really watched it, but everybody's talking about it, the, ten, the Ted Bundy tapes and, and things like that. And again, that causes me to pause and say, how does somebody become so distorted and so evil and so disconnected? It's because of a result of sin that isn't dealt with. And it can cause somebody to be toxic or it can cause somebody to be toxic to you. Either way, those are things that, that, that we have to be aware of. The next thing I want to talk about this morning is the bad. Angel eyes. If you've watched the movie, The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, Angel Eyes is... I wasn't ready for that. Touche, touche. Angel Eyes is that character that... Uh, He's kind of deceitful right from the get-go. You know, he's playing both sides, you know. In bad relationships, we, we, we can do that as well. And bad relationships really are unhealthy relationships. Everybody say unhealthy. Unhealthy. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Bad relationships, I believe, is a distortment of, of what we know to be true. In bad relationships, we can get distorted with right and wrong. I've seen many of people compromise their purity it, just because they're in love or they feel like it's love. Just the other day, we, uh, I was talking with a, a pastor friend who had met with a couple, and, and they were really excited about getting involved, and, and they were living together. At, at one of their apartments and they were excited to get involved and, and the pastor looked at them and said, well, you need to get married. You can't live together. They said, oh, it's okay. God told me it was okay. Huh? What? Because the Bible doesn't say anything like, oh, well, um, abstain from sexual immorality except if I tell you to. 
doesn't say that. Or, or, or you know, you know, it's, it's okay to have certain sins in my life because God said it was okay. I'm exempt. Everybody else has to follow it but me. No, that's not how it works. Unhealthy relationships will cause you to distort right and wrong. Even the way we treat people. Young people, if you're a young man, open the door for people behind you. And if you're a young lady, it doesn't really matter. Give honor and respect to those that are older than you, even if they're being cranky sometimes. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, same as with you. Know that this next generation needs mentors and people that believe in them. What else gets distorted in bad relationships? God's design. God's design. Did, did God design you to be in conflict with the people around you? Or did he design you to love the people around you? But, you know, unless they're boneheads, right? Or jerks. Or punks. Or stuck up. No. We're called to love the people around us. So, so when we get wound up because relationships aren't working or, or there's dysfunction going on, you have to remember God's design is for us to love each other through it all. The other thing that I think bad <coughs> relationships do is they attack your identity. They attack your identity. Oftentimes we hear, uh, my wife made a great joke the other day. That <coughs> uh, she didn't say it to my mom, but she found it. And she said, I could say this to your mom someday, and it'd be really funny, but uh, it, it, it was something along the lines like, um, no, your son's not perfect. I'm still working on him, or something like that. Uh, you didn't raise the perfect son because I'm still working on him, or something like that. And so many times we try to change the people around us when we have to realize that God has given them a specific identity, and our goal is to encourage them in that. Encourage them towards Jesus. Encourage them towards God. Don't break them down. And constantly point out the flaws and the planks in their eyes, so to speak. And then lastly, we have the good or healthy relationships. <clears throat> Oftentimes I tell people in marriage counseling, there's two types of marriages. There's marriages that, are, that don't work and end in divorce. And then there's hard marriages. And they look at me and they're like, hard marriages and marriages that don't work. Cool, that sounds like a whole lot of hope. <clears throat> the reality is, is anytime you have a relationship with people around you, the person sitting next to you, there is always going to be an, ele an element of conflict. Some people you have more conflict with than others, especially in the workplace. Why? Because when we're at work, we're stressed out all the time, and so we take it out on each other. <clears throat> and at home... It's the same thing. We're going to have conflict. Healthy relationships resolve conflict. I, that's not in your notes, but you can write that down because that's pretty good. Healthy relationships work to resolve conflict. We have to realize we're all different. I like the Denver Broncos. Eddie likes the Raiders. We still make it work. Adam likes the Packers, but nobody really cares about the Packers. <laughs> that was for that little, com that little 
God, that'd be great. Here, I'm making fun of him. He's bringing me a water. Oh, see, he just worked through that conflict and decided to, to love me through it. But good relationships work through conflict. I think of a passage in the book of Micah. You know, a lot of people would look at the book of Micah and say, this is not a book on relationships. It's really not. The prophet Micah is the prophet for Israel during one of their times of, of you know, exile, so to speak. They were conquered. They were, they were overrun by enemies. And, and, and again, God raises up a prophet. And the, prophet, the prophets kind of say the same thing over and over again, but people don't get it. So God has to keep speaking it through the prophets. And even in today's world, we don't get it. And so God has to keep speaking it to us. But, but basically, he, he brings the people back into who God is in Micah chapter 7, verse 18. And he says, who is a God like you? Pardoning, everybody say pardoning, iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Meaning, what's a remnant? It's what's left. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and we will subdue our inequities. You will cast all your sins and he will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Basically, what is he saying? He's saying, look, God loves you even when you're a bonehead. Even when you fail. God loves you, and he's not going to forget you. You might feel forgotten forever. You might feel like you're out of the fold, but God has mercy. And so we have got to have the same. Remember, if we're going back to our original scripture that I opened up in Ephesians, we're to be imitators of God, correct? So we are also to imitate mercy and grace for the people that we have relationships with. If you count me as your pastor and as your friend, you've got to have a whole lot of grace for me. Because I am not perfect. <laughs> you've got to have a whole lot of mercy for me. Because I'm not perfect. And you know what? I need it. And you need it. You need to have people in your life that have grace and mercy for you, right? That's a healthy relationship. If you're in a relationship and there's no grace and mercy for each other, then that's where you have to start. That's where you have to begin to work on things. The prophet's prayer, if you break it down in, the, in the, 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 one of the common, um, uh, I'm all hoarse now, aren't I? If you break it down, really it, what he's doing in this, in this whole chapter is he's calling the people out to come to God, to come back to God for their, their cause and their interests. They're, they're, they're in exile. They're, they're on the outside looking in and he's saying, look, you got to get back to where God wants you to be. You got to get back to where we once were, where our ancestors were. Because God's about to deliver us. He's about to, he, he's about to deliver his people. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, and, and when we see God coming towards us in ways of mercy, we must go forth to meet him by prayer. 
Did you know that it's, it's prophetic prayer which amounts to a promise of, of the good prayed for? I want to give you some examples to overcoming toxic relationships because some of you in this room say, man, I, I think I'm in a toxic relationship. Or maybe you have adult children <clears throat> that are going through some things and the, the relationship is broken. And so we're, we're going to kind of break that down. Overcoming toxic relationships. First of all, I want you to write this down. You have to understand why the person's toxic or why you're toxic. You have to understand the trigger. Everybody say trigger. <laughs> the other day we're at home and <clears throat> my middle son is, is building Legos and, and he's having a hard time. He's getting super stressed out. And, and I, I don't want to help my kids build Legos forever. I want them to be able to do it on their own because honestly, Legos can be a little frustrating if I'm not totally into it. And so, you know, we're talking and he goes, Dad, don't you know this is my trigger? I'm like, you're seven years old. You don't have any triggers. Okay, stop it. <laughs> but if we're to overcome toxic relationships, we have to understand why the person's toxic or why we're toxic. We have to ask the questions, is it medical? Is it depression? Is it bipolar, etc.? Is it because of drugs or alcohol addiction? You know, what is going on here to make this a toxic relationship. Why do we understand that? Because that is, we start with prayer, and that's how we learn how to pray. And maybe you know this, maybe I'm just giving you information you know already, and that's okay. But we have to make that the focus. How do we pray for the toxic people around us, or the toxic person around us? The next thing we have to do is decide if it's possible to work through the issue. Is it possible to keep that person in my life? in regards to friends. <clears throat> Sometimes there's friendships that you have to walk away from. Sometimes we have to release loved ones, kids, who are living contrary to the Word of God to their own, I, I hate to say it, but to their own choices and, and be praying for them through that. Sometimes people are so broken, we can't fix them. We have to pray for God to do it. In fact, we should be doing that anyway. And we either have to face the hard issue or be willing to give it to God and walk away. The other thing is, if there's more negative in the situation than positive, something has to change. So this is a good evaluation. If I'm in a relationship at work, a, re a friendship, um, a dating relationship, I've got to evaluate, is there more negativity than positivity? And if there is, then something's got to change, either in me or in them. The next thing, overcoming bad relationships. You can write this down. Being honest with yourself and the other person involved. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> it's okay to admit that. You know, a lot of marriages that, 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 that begin to go through hard times and strife, uh, what happens is, is there becomes so much bent-up angst against the other person, they never talk about it anymore. 
I'm, I can be guilty of this. Uh, you know, if, if there's conflict, I'll just say, well, we'll just let it go. And my wife is really good to say, no, we need to talk through this and have a conclusion. Bring it to conclusion. So be honest with yourself and the other person. It's really important that you work on dysfunctions in a relationship. The second thing you can write down is make a point to work on it. Make it a point. And you might say, <clears throat> what exactly, how do I do that? Well, when's the last time you took that person out for coffee? Or a, a McDonald's Happy Meal? Come on, teenagers, you know you still eat them. Get the toy and everything. When's the last time you actually tried to invest in that relationship instead of expecting them to come to you? So, so make it a point to work on it. Do lunch. Do coffee. Um, go on a walk together. You know, ask the person if they want to go get Mexican food. I know there's like eight here in town. <laughs> the other thing that, that, that you can do to work on bad relationship is speak godly truth over them and you through prayer. Godly truth is found where? On the internet? Did somebody say the internet? The Bible is on the internet, so that's good. It's found in the word of God. Speak godly truth over them. Speak it over yourself. You know, if there's a bad relationship or, or a dysfunctional relationship, God, give me the perspective that I need to have. Because it's real easy to say, well, it's all their fault and not mine. Right? Who does that? I'm the only one? Cool. Amen. Say amen to myself. And then building good relationships. I want to give you some keys to this really quick, and, and we'll wrap it up after this. First thing you can write down is involve praying for and over them. Involve praying for and over. I know that kind of runs in from the last one, but if you're in a relationship or a friendship and it's worth keeping, pray for them. Lift them up in prayer. We don't do that enough, right? When things are going good, we don't pray for each other. <laughs> when things are going bad, we don't pray for each other. So make it a point to pray either way. The next thing is, in building good relationships, have grace and mercy. Have grace and mercy. You've got to understand that people are all different. We're not made the same. Over 7 billion people in the world and not one thumbprint is the same. So you might guess that personalities are different, right? Politics might be different. Can I even say that without people? I said that in the room kind of did this. You can love people. Football teams might even be different, guys. Seriously. We can have grace and mercy for each other. Personality types are different. People can be introverted. People can be extroverted. Uh, we can still have grace and mercy for each other's shortcomings. 
The next thing is, is working through hard things. Working through hard things. You must understand that all relationships will deal with hard things at one time or another. Who in here grew up with a best friend and you're still best friends with them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's about ten. That's good. But it's it's the minority. <laughs> Why? Because at some point you lost touch or there was a dysfunction in that relationship that never got dealt with. And so instead of dealing with it, you just walked away or they walked away. And so we've got to be committed to dealing with hard things, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in friendship, whether it's in mom to dad, dad to mom, grandma to grandpa, grandson to grandma, all of the above. Would you stand with me as we prepare to close? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.